Hello, my name is David Turner, and this is another Lunar Poetry Short. Today, I'm in Camden in North London I'm with Keith Jarrett. Hello, Keith. How are you doing? Hello. Good. Um, before we get into chatting, we're going to start with a reading. So, where are you yeah. going? So, this is about my name. For those of you who think I may have been uh, named after the jazz pianist Keith Jarrett, or after my father Keith Jarrett, I wasn't. This is how I got my name. For my birthday, they rescued my name from a bargain bucket in Barking. Too cheap to afford a new one. Dog-eared and ragged, they wiped it down best they could. Said I was an old soul anyway. I would have been a Lindsay, Russell, Daniel or a Curtis. But they gave me this one to suckle on. So I chewed, bit, kicked and rattled it. Till it tinkled out jazz piano lullabies on my baby stool. I carried it to school on my shoulders. My friends like to call it Jarrett the Parrot, Keith the Chief, and Mellow Man. It was the way its yellow eyes shut on top of class desks. I guess it was because it lacked focus. Older now it became a pet I couldn't bear to hear barked out on buses. I tried to drown it in the River Thames. It still skulked behind like a bad wind. My name was too dirty, too old, too much like my father. At home I was LK Junior Daniel D and anything but my name, but my name got bigger, grew claws, stretched to five foot eight inches tall and became solidly built. It swallowed me up and <clears throat> belched proudly, leaving me where I still remain. Trapped inside, my name is now writing poetry, last I heard. Tells tall tales about its origins. Far from the land of its adopted parents. Far from the bric-a-brac stalls lining East London streets, it can be found, tracing its roots back to some old Celtic village where it once meant um, something. Thank you very much. Thank Cheers. you. How are you doing? Okay. Yeah, really good. I'm enjoying the bright, sunny weather. I can see the sunshine, yeah. which is always good. As I, I get, um, I quite like referencing things that people can't see on the, yeah. on the audio podcast, but it's a really beautiful day outside. It's really sunny. Yeah. It makes a change. You might be able to hear the birds tweeting at some point as well. Yeah. So, uh, so first question, why poetry? first answer why not poetry i i actually do loads of things i've i've always written in creatively in one form or another and poetry i think what well, i know gives me the the most potential for messing around with words it's the most fun that i can get um i i I do enjoy, and this is a guilty pleasure, I do enjoy sort of daddy puns and, <laughs> you know, and, and just playing around with meanings and and I think that lends itself to poetry. Um, I, I like to turn things on its head and sort of just interrogate. I think poetry is a really good form for questioning things. So that's why poetry for me. Um, it's a very versatile form. Whereas if I'm writing a short story and I'm currently working on a novel, um, it's much more singular for the, I think the, the longer the form, the the less you can pack into it, which it should be the other way around. Actually, that's a really good point about it being a way of questioning. Yeah. Because I think it's something I've thought about a lot. You know, when people ask you what you're trying to say with your work, I always wonder why they don't 
want to know what you're trying to ask with your work exactly, as well. Exactly, yeah. Because I think poetry is a perfect way of asking. Yeah. And getting a response from people, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm full of loads of opinions, but I'm not really full of answers. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, and the, the, the more I, I respond to, to things that are going on around me, the, the more it just gives me more questions. Mm. Actually, we were just chatting before, weren't we, about uh, people being able to access poetry and why they might not be interested yeah. in poetry and what might be blocking them off. And maybe that point of, if people were aware more that maybe the poet is just asking questions rather than trying to make a point. Yeah, or be smart. Yeah, be smart or be smarter or tell you something and if you don't understand it, then there's something wrong with your... Yeah analytical mind or something but maybe people would be more comfortable with it we're aware that maybe it's just a question and and also something that we haven't yet discussed but but also like in education i I know for a fact that a lot of gcc syllabi um (laughs) (laughs) syllabuses no syllabi yeah um they really focus um, and in fact, not just not just English, but outside of that, everything is focused on what is this person trying to say? What what does this mean? Mm. Um, rather than sort of drawing your own interpretation um, and just enjoying the experiential element of poetry. There are some poems that I don't fully understand, which I really enjoy, and I and mm. I get my own meaning from it. And I'm sure it's very different to what the author intended. Um, but if you go into a classroom, um, there's a prepackaged answer, which is usually right or wrong, yeah. um, or you have to justify it in some way. Um, there are poems that, yeah, as a practitioner, I it, I do you know have to pick apart certain poems and think about why this works or why it doesn't but every now and again I do like to just read a poem and say I'm, I don't care about all of that how does it make me feel mm. um, and I think just like music it it's uh, it's something that that brings about feeling it should Mm. Not always. Some poetry leaves me cold, <laughs> and then I avoid it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much about that, that that's that's natural that would happen. I think, yeah, I just find it strange that anyone would treat any piece of art as an endpoint yeah. to anything. Yeah. You know, it. it I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe it's just something that seems so natural to me. I can't understand why it would be any different. Mm. But you know, it, it's, I've always felt like any piece of art being put out into the world is the start of a discussion rather than yeah. a definitive answer to anything. Yeah. Most of the painters I know, you know, their paintings aren't ready. Yeah. Just the exhibition came round. Yeah. <laughs> and the work had to go on the wall. I don't think anyone really feels like their work is finished in any way. Yeah. It's perhaps as ready as it will ever be, but that's yeah. a different thing from being finished, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. That's a really good way of thinking about it, actually. Um, and I do keep meaning to go to more exhibitions, and and I feel somehow you know, if there there is that thing. Poetry is the form that chose me mostly because I wasn't, I was never, I was always put off um, art, um, as in like drawing and painting, um, and I never thought I was any good at it, and so I do have a natural stumbling block mm. to that, and. 
I do now go and see more exhibitions than I used to, but there was that barrier there. I didn't feel that I was literate mm. in art, and I feel probably a lot of people feel the same about poetry. I, th- I, there are, I think there are a lot of similarities. I mean, my, as I was saying before, my, I've said a lot on the podcast, you know, with a, a background in the visual arts, there yeah. are a lot of similarities between the way the public, general public that aren't involved view painting, for example, yeah. and view poetry. Because yeah. um, that, I, I probably haven't got quite enough time to go into it, probably, yeah. but you know, people don't, and understandably so, don't want to be made to feel stupid. Yeah. And if you don't understand something, it's easier to dismiss it than perhaps ask for an explanation. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the two things, the two art forms are very similar. Yeah. Um, what have been your main influences as a writer and or performer? Okay, as a writer, uh, I have so many, and and it's it's difficult because I I do think, because um, I I'm because I do write poetry and fiction, um, I feel the poetry side has been much more performative. It's much more out there. The fiction stuff is just me just writing on my own and having a couple of stories published in the odd magazine and you know just chipping away at the novel but uh, on the performance poetry side there's so many um, at the moment um, someone like Dennis Smith I think um, but who draw me in I think hip hop was an early influence growing up so um, a lot of American like end of the 90s um, rap uh, when rap was actually good <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's, there, there's a so you're showing your age now I know I am yeah, showing my because you know, the kids are yeah. saying grime now as well so, you know, like, see I, I don't mind grime it's this trap stuff for me like it just sounds really and, and it's fine I know that it's, it's purely aesthetic hmm. and I understand that everything is to do with aesthetics what connects with you what connects with your time and everything but at the moment it feels like a lot of so-called rappers uh uh-huh, are just like stuttering like get, get to the like do a full come on you can do it like a full sentence like, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's mean um, so yeah I would say a, a lot of rap um, initially, and then poetry-wise, I'm I'm having a blank. Like any, anything that's on my extensive. Um, it's a, actually it's a bit of a cruel question to it's spin a really on because cruel there's so much to, to. There is. Yeah. I mean, like at the moment, I'll just my influences change all yeah. the time. Um, at the moment, there are people like Kai Miller who. Um, I have been influenced by in 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 a kind of role modelly way. Here's someone who switches from writing a novel, which is where mm. I first discovered his work, and then like five different books of poetry or something ridiculous like that within a, a few years, and then goes into essays mm. and short fiction as well. Um, so to to be able to blend that and to be able to um, switch voice as well people who switch their voices 
um, and who can refer to different people. I mean, in in terms of short fiction, someone like Juno Diaz, um, he his early short stories, uh, a book called Drown. I first read it and thought, wow, here's someone who is able to write in English with a very like Spanish-speaking aesthetic, and and will just slip into like. Dominican Spanish mm. words without feeling the need to gloss, without feeling the need to translate, without and it makes sense and it's sort of even for those who don't understand I, I do because I, I lived in that country mm. for a year but um, there's so many references and things that not everyone will get but it's still it's not there to make you look stupid mm. <laughs> But it's there because it, it works yeah. and it, and it needs to be there. Like, uh, yeah, and then plenty more. Yeah. I mean, this this conversation could last. No, a no, it's good while. to just have a few because people. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. There's always new names coming up. I think we should take another reading. Okay, good. Yeah. I'll do that. Gee, whom should I fear? On one of my agnostic days, my brother telephones. The ringtone is on mute, or I've been dancing to the news anthem. It's urgency thrills. So I miss my chance at a conversation again. I've been storing my news in chaotic segments, waiting to break them piece by piece, these blocks that clog the 6,000 mile gap that separates us. Two. And then the cashier inquires whether I have a loyalty card. And then I reply that I am an atheist. And then he fails to see my humour. And then he scans my atheist chorizo slices with the same indifference as my unholy cheddar. I double up my bags. Three. When I believe, when I believe that hell isn't inside my body and inside this fever-stained night and inside the rage of below-the-line rants I read when I cannot sleep, when my dark skin does not carry immigrant fear, when I do not take offence wherever I can find it, building a home from these brickish men with petrol bomb eyes, when I can finally rub the Vaseline circles from round my eyelids and laugh the sin from my belly and chip away at the ingrained history worn too thickly around my waist when it is no longer a lifeboat, when whom shall I fear has swallowed up my adversaries then, I shall walk seven times around these walls with nothing but a scarlet thread and a hollow promise to clothe me. I shall conquer this city. Thank you very much. You touched on briefly about the way poetry is perhaps uh, presented in schools. And yes. We're going to talk a bit about your background in education, but maybe yeah. you, it might be better to, if you explain yourself briefly how how you got into spoken word education. Yeah, so I had been performing a lot of poetry over the years and I had also done some work in schools, mostly mentoring and occasionally um, getting involved with poetry and using poetry as a way of mentoring. And I was approached uh, by a guy called Peter Kahn in Chicago um, and he 
was trying to put together a, a program um, in conjunction with Goldsmiths University um, and, a, and a, a school in East London to train up spoken word educators, full-time spoken word educators. And this was the first time that it had been done in this country and it was quite scary and I went through a long series of interviews and in the first year of the programme six of us um, started working in this school while also doing an MA at Goldsmith um, which is called Writer Teacher so it's looking at um, writers in the educational system looking at a lot of um, pedagogy I can never say that word um, no, educational theory and and just looking at our creative practice as well and it was a very very intense experience I was involved in a more full-time basis for like two years um, and then um, and then I had a year of just doing ad hoc work in schools um, before now um, I'm involved in a full-time PhD um, but this that experience has really shaped me and the program's been running now for four years I believe I don't want to count the years um, <laughs> but it's been running for a while there there are people I was going to say below us not below but the people who, who've come continued yeah, yeah come up since and so there's a few of us still working full-time in schools or at least three days a week. Because mm. um, the idea is, you know, a lot of times schools roll out people to to do one of things, you know, it was National Book... Um, no, so it was World Book Day yesterday. That's right, yeah. Um, although I think America does it on a different day, so... Yeah, I was wondering what, like, yeah. how global it was that day, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I've, it happens seen, everywhere, but it was probably different days. And, you yeah. know, so it, it, I think a, a load of places yeah. around the world have a World Book yeah. Day. Um, I know that here and in the Middle East and a few other countries, at least, it's it was yesterday. Mm. Um, but other places, it's, yeah. it's in May. A bit like Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> maybe they're linked, um, books and mothers. Um, I haven't bought anything for my mum that's an aside uh, but you know like a, a poet I'm sure thousands of poets like up and down the country were invited to schools yesterday mm. they rock up they're parachuted in they do a workshop or three um, probably bouncing from class to class some of the kids go really really excited they write new stuff or not really underwhelmed because mm. they don't know this person who's just been like parachuted into their school and then they go and it's forgotten um, and the idea with the spoken word educate, uh, educator program is no you have someone who is a resident in that school who knows all of the politics who knows the kids gets to know gets to really nurture their talent and really also have that space which is separate from the curriculum um, and that's the important thing. It's it's not part of the the national curriculum, where you get um, young young adults and you know and children to explore emotion, explore what's on their mind. Um, a lot of things come up, especially right at the beginning, where like they they they've 
not really had the chance to express themselves mm. other than in in terms of of what is expected for them um from them to to pass an exam and suddenly they're talking about their you know home lives or how they feel about certain things or um i've been in situations where people's have come out or they've um talked about how they feel being bullied or um you know, attitudes to race, all sorts of things come out in in a poetry exercise. Mm. Um, and the idea is, obviously, it's, it's a literary endeavour. It's also an emotional one, and, and it's not separating the two. And it's also not saying you have to be examined, but where you're, you're, you're examining yourself and language. Yeah. And also, you know, the whole thing about excluding you'd think that people who don't speak English as a first language would find it difficult, but actually this is where, in that time where you're exploring language and you're looking at, at you know, how you can play with meanings. Um, often I've worked with pupils who speak English as a third, fourth or fifth language even, <laughs> who, you know, haven't spoken English for a long time, who've really taken to it because this is something exciting and new and you can play with it. Um, without the pressures of the curriculum mm. um, so yeah so that that was my um, the most sales pitch for, for what yeah, I've done but um, having taken part in the uh, the course to become a spoken word educator how open were schools immediately afterwards to taking people on in, from, from that course it's a difficult process yeah. and, and having we had like match funding um, from the Arts Council in the first year, which meant that um, the school that employed me, for instance, they were able to take a risk. Um, they paid half the rate that they would have paid to a, a teacher, and then the Arts Council um, okay. matched match yeah. that. Um, and so that was that was great and the school was very um, open to having me there initially um, of course there are always politics <laughs> there are always school politics and the management and of course if you are doing something where um, pupils are able to express themselves certain things do get flagged up mm. um, and so it's just as important to know the people who are working in the support services <laughs> um, and uh, yeah I, I mean it's it's rewarding I think a lot of schools are scared of something like that because it's a big commitment but when you find the right school that that is able to take it on then it's great you're singing I, I went to um, a seminar run by Jacob Sandler Rose who I'm yeah. sure you know uh, who's a for those who don't know he's a also spoken word educator in from South East London, or is based in South East London, at least at the moment. And he made a very good point on uh, during the day that there's a very big difference to running a course if you're going in half a day or a day. Yes. So you're talking about the difference of being allowed to build up a relationship with pupils yeah. and develop something because what he was saying, it, it was usually the politics that got in, got in the way and if, if you're just turning up for the day it's the same yeah. in any job if you're just turning up into an office space yeah. for a day it takes a while 
to get to know yeah. who's interested in helping you, who's yeah. wanting the course to run. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. It's, I think it's important for people to, because I think a lot of people now, because people want to make a living from spoken word or poetry, and education is obviously quite a good, you know, if you can get into it, it's quite a good way of yeah. sort of making a semi-regular yeah. income from. I think it's important for people to know what the realities yeah. are because it's not you're not just let in to teach yeah. poetry are you that's not the way it works oh no no no, no. There's, a, there's a huge um, there's a huge process and, and it's making sure that you're like just like walking into any office mm. you can walk into an office and, and do a yoga workshop or something um, for, for half a day mm. and that's fine but then the minute that you're an employee now then there are different terms yeah. and there are loads of things to negotiate and and then you have to find out whether you're right for that place as well um but yeah so jacob he, yeah. he's now directing the project oh he's running that project now yeah, yeah i, so I he assumed he's yeah. yeah yeah pretty heavily involved with that kind of thing so, yeah. yeah um i think maybe that's all we've got time for today i actually i really want to talk about education more but maybe we can meet up again and chat okay. about that because i yeah. think I think the reason most people would consider the fact that they hate poetry so much is because of the way it was it presented to them in school. Oh, yeah. And we carry, uh, most of us carry, um, uh, I'm making do. a wild guess yeah. at the way you feel about your drawing skills have yeah. probably got something to do with education or what, what yeah. happened when you were younger. I think, yeah. And if things are presented better, uh, more appropriately to younger kids, yeah. they'd be much more open-minded as adults towards... Um, this thing you're trying to make a living out of yeah. you lot out there yeah. <laughs> so Very talk to the so. kids yeah. um, and we'll finish with a reading please okay uh, 10 ways to avoid hearing him say sorry one change the subject the weather is mm, plentiful the rain is problematic the third stair still snitches on you even 10 years later when you try to creep upwards unnoticed. 2. This close-up, your dad's head is like the large Dutch pot above the kitchen cupboard. Leave that to stew for a few minutes. 3. In Latin American Spanish, ahorita is an imprecise way of saying not quite now. Feel your tongue curl up on the R, flick it out like a Swiss knife. Cuatro no entiendo inglés. 5. Use find and replace to destroy the word or press backspace till your PC beeps a void. Six, beat him to it. I'm sorry for those unanswered texts. I'm sorry for ever being 15 years old. I'm sorry for taking the knife out the house. It wasn't like that. I promise. Seven, sorry isn't the hardest word to say. For me, it's world and the way it whirls empty in my mouth. If you're Yonosuke, the Japanese student I taught. Scrawl will sound like a mess of consonants surrounding one lonely vowel. It is one of many things you cannot vocalize. Eight. The search engine told me that in Japanese, I'm sorry is pronounced suminasen. Nine. Lo siento. Ten. I'm sitting on the third stair of our conversation in a house I lost the keys to many years ago, sifting through letters that still come in my name, and I want to look you in the eyes and tell you it's okay. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you.
just to finish, do you have any blogs or anywhere so people can go and check out what you're up to? Uh, yeah, I keep a blog every now and again, uh, which is zone1to6.blogspot.com, all words, one. Oh, really? I'll stick the link to that blog and your Twitter account in the description for this video so people can... Uh, yeah, my Twitter account is Keith J, the letter J, London. Um, and I think I have Facebook things as well, but I'm very easy to yeah. find now. If you just Google Keith Jarrett Poe. Yeah. Well, that was great. Thank you very much, Keith. Thank I'm you. Looking forward to chatting again about Pleasure. something really nice. All right. Yeah. You lot, see you later. <laughs>